Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max. And listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at wbez.org slash events. Ladies and gentlemen, from WBEZ Chicago, this is Nerdette Recaps Game of Thrones with Peter Sagal. So that depressing requires chocolate after watching, I think. So there's some brownies out there somewhere. They're laced with no, Xanax. No, so that might help. That'll help. <laughs> thank Hello, you, thank and you. thank you for listening to Nerdette Recaps Game of Thrones with Peter Seigel. I am Greta Johnson here with Trisha Bobita and Peter Seigel. And that there's me. one thing that we want to let you know about how this works. And Peter, I think you should explain it right off the top. There's a jingle. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. I, you looked at me and I responded with my usual blank expression yeah, of yeah, yeah. ignorance. Yeah. So, it's live, Peter. So here we are. We're at Cards Against Humanity headquarters in Chicago, Illinois. And uh, we want to thank them, Cards Against Humanity. We want to thank our friends at Pipeworks Brewing Company for free beer. Free beer. And we want to thank all the fabulous nerds who came out. Beautiful, uh, braving the rain and ignoring the uh, hockey playoffs. Yeah, do you do you guys need like score updates or something? We can Pops have Joe or or back. Conversely, do do you, do you, <laughs> I love how much they don't want to so know. Good. Do you need? To, do you need? To know? Oh, well, that's a bridge too far. I am offended sir. by that. Does anyone here need to know what hockey is? Does that? <laughs> but we're here. This is very exciting. We're going to do our last podcast for the season five of Game of Thrones live in front of you. And as a special treat, uh, a few weeks ago on the podcast, I said something particularly... <laughs> just man- that one time. Just, just the, the one once. <laughs> I said something particularly mansplainy. And we can't remember who it was, but one of these two... No, we ladies. remember. It was Trisha. Okay. <laughs> Trisha said, you know, what we really need is when you say something offensively repressive like that, <laughs> we should have like a patriarchy jingle. And, and now agreed. we do. That was a great idea. So, <laughs> my friends, uh, Paul and Storm, uh, famous uh, comedy nerd singers, have created a series of patriarchy jingles. And what we've decided to do is, is we're going to let the ladies invoke it <laughs> when, when they feel necessary. You're when kind of over-explaining this, so let's hear one. Patriarchy jingle, please. If Peter's opinion falls in the forest, does anybody give a shit? There you are. So Peter. when warranted, you'll hear a patriarchy jingle. And 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 I literally asked for it. So you did. This was Peter's idea in his defense of the patriarchy. <laughs> in defense of Peter and the patriarchy. This was all his that idea. That is always defending the patriarchy, guys. It's, it's kind true. of a problem because in our podcast relationship. Yes, I'm, I'm sexist, oppressive, and mansplaining, <laughs> but I feel vaguely bad about it. <laughs> it's that Catholic guilt, right, Peter? Yes, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> Do you even know me? <laughs> So I think we should just jump in. Should we? Do yes, I need to do, do this pre-roll really quick right here? Okay. 
All right, this WBEZ podcast is supported by Specs, a Chicagoland optical shop with 24 neighborhood stores offering eyeglasses, sunglasses, contact lenses, and exams. Dedicated to eye health with the Specs Wellness Exam, more online at spexoptical.com. Thank you. Ding! <laughs> I think we shall begin in Winterfell. Stan is still the worst, and I'm going to argue totally not dead. Totally Wait not dead. Wait a minute. Dead. So we need to get to this. Actually, it was, um, it was interesting. We were talking about this before the podcast, and Greta pointed out that with the exception of Mrs. Stannis, she's traditional. She took his name. <laughs> um, you actually don't know that anybody is dead. And I have to thank my friend Jeff for pointing this out. That at every moment, the, it cuts away before the final blow. She's the only actual dead person right. we and see. And then I said to her, I said to Greta, well, except for Jon Snow, but everybody is in no, denial no, no, about no, that. No, 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 And Greta said, he's not dead. He's not. There's no way. But we'll get there. We'll start with Winterfell and move forward. I do want to point out the name of the episode, too, as we're going through this, which is Mother's Mercy. Right. Which I think mostly directly results or is related to Cersei Cersei and in her, King's Landing. And her. But I think it is an interesting title, especially for an episode that is not super maternal or warm, right? Or merciful for that. Matter. Yeah. <laughs> this was pretty dire all around. Yeah. And, and I think we should also say, somebody came up to me and said, oh, do you think it was a good episode? And No. Well, <laughs> no. Well, and that was Nerdette Recaps. <laughs> Thank you for coming, guys. It was really great to have you. It sucked. It was depressing. Ah, Game of Thrones. Ah, it's the worst. Ah. No, what I was going to say, obviously, is that um, uh, it's not, again, an episode. It's the whole season. And this is a chance, and I imagine that's what we will do, is figure out whether this whole season was any good, whether there were good parts, bad parts, because this sort of capped off everything. It certainly answered a lot of questions. For example, was Sansa finally going to do something? Sansa Stark. Okay, reasons I was disappointed with this scene. I'm just going to talk about why I was disappointed in Egypt. And so we're, 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 just gonna, we're, we're starting them with Winterfell. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. As did the episode. Did it? Yeah. <laughs> right? With Stannis getting a bunch of bad news, like everybody had abandoned him and his wife was hanging from a tree. Yeah. Which I called, by the way. I, I predicted It was a little that. creepy. Sometimes Greta has premonitions as we're watching the episode live together, and she... And usually they're, like, completely unfounded, and they don't ever happen. But she was right. But she yeah. said, Stance's wife is dead, and there she was. Yeah. So, good call. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you, Trisha Bovita. But yeah, Sansa Stark, why I was disappointed. And Sansa Stark, go on. When she dropped that northern shiv after <laughs> unlocking the door, why did she not take that with Hello, Peter here. Uh, you are about to notice a very strange thing, which is that the audio of Sansa's scene is just going to change <laughs> to audio of scenes in Bravos with no explanation. And the reason is, is when we were recording at Cards Against Humanity headquarters, we had a technical error and we lost a good part of the discussion. So what we're going to do is we're going to continue with this podcast right now. Lots of good stuff to come. And in a special bonus episode, we will recreate that discussion and cover all those burning questions that you had about Sansa and her corkscrew. 
and I'm not using that as a euphemism. I hated this episode so much, but I'm going to keep watching. <laughs> but I understand why people have a breaking point with this show. And for me, when we were watching it last night, that was almost it. It wasn't the other violence that was about character. It was, let's just gratuitously, really for no good reason, show some 9 to 11-year-old girls getting whipped with a switch. We did not need to see that on screen. That was not necessary to the plot. We already knew Trant was the worst. Well... <laughs> <laughs> They were insouciant little girls. No. Um, <laughs> Do we have a different jingle that is more intense than... Just, pl- I'll play the motherfucker one. I think that's what we need. <laughs> Nobody cares, but it never really stops him. His feet are still fucking talking. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the sense, first of all, uh, you don't actually... I, I was a little freaked out, too, and I, I noticed when I was rewatching, you don't actually see him hit them. It's all very skillfully done. <laughs> Thank you, Peter. I can see I have my work cut out for me. And then, shortly after he does those things, he's blinded, stabbed, gagged, (laughs) and essentially tortured until he's killed. said that Game of Thrones uses violence toward women too much, but it's almost always used to indicate the absolute extreme of villainy. It's the, I mean, the worst people are, the, are to use George R.R. R. Martin's word, the rapers and the abusers of women. That's how we establish it. In a world in which people are constantly killing each other in the course of their day, the worst people are the abusers of women, and either they loom above the show like these huge, you know, boss-level villains like Ramsay, or they're immediately and horribly murdered. <laughs> he did get his own. I will, I will give you that much, yeah. at least. Do you know who I am? I can't hear you. You know who I am. I'm Arya Stark. Do you know who you are? You're no one. You're nothing. I did you guys can you guys explain or in any way I don't guess I just explain the, the business with the Jack and Hagar who is not Jack and Hagar and he has all the faces and it turns out to be Arya and that's the last we see of that figure my understanding of it having not read the books is that I mean there is actual magic at play with that death cult whatever it is that they have things that they can do with the faces right like Arya being able to put on a face she's not ripping it off like a rubber mask like Mission Impossible 17 it's something a little mystical (laughs) and magical about the way she's able to use it so it's unclear who actually died or if no one died or if, you know, he, 
he's clearly a force larger than any single figure in that world. But right. I think it's interesting that it's not the girl. The girl is now becoming his sort of right-hand gal, uh, stays the same all the time. We haven't seen her change yet. But we know that he can do that. Right. So the answer is no. You have no yeah, idea. Yeah, no, what's I have no idea. You can give me a patriarchy jingle on me if you want. But I. It's me, but it was my fault. Just, just sub in. Do the copy editing symbol. You know what I was thinking? I was watching the scene, and it's in that amazing, I guess it's a CGI set of those enormous columns filled with shelves of faces going up to the ceiling. I did like the shelves of faces. The shelves of faces are awesome. And all I could think was, how do they get the high ones? I mean, seriously, Magic. It's, like, it's like somebody comes in and says, oh, Jack and Hagar, I need... He's pretty tall. You need, I need, like, an Asian guy with a scar. It's the one way up there. And Jack and's like, oh, shit. God damn it. And he goes, and he has to get the big ladder, and he has to climb up, and he's got, like, the pole with the hook in the end. Yeah, yeah that's what he does. Oh, God, you needed, you needed the high one. Okay. Yeah. All right, Dorn. Can we Dorn. go to Dorn? So something happened, finally. Something happened, finally. So, that could have happened in two scenes in any episode of this whole season. And we could have had like eight more episodes of Bronn singing going, who cares where? But the, the Bronn the Bron storyline did not make it worth everything else that was I, happening. I, I think we can say, though, and this has been five seasons of a very intense, dialogue-heavy, very written, well-written TV show. I think we can say, what is the line, you, you want a nice girl, but you need a bad pussy... Is the single Artistry. stupidest thing. Girl. Girl. You need a good girl. You want a good girl, but you need a bad pussy. Yeah. Is the single stupidest line uttered on this TV show in five <laughs> yeah, seasons. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Trisha that's was like, pretty pissed about that's, that too, that's frankly. 50 hours of dialogue heavy television, and that's the winner. That's the single dumbest it's line. The dumbest line. I think well, it's not you. even grammatically correct. <laughs> no, really, I wanted Stannis to pop up. <laughs> And say, you know, I mean, I don't know how you'd correct the grammar. It just doesn't make any sense. Anyway, moving right along. Well, and you know that Marcella and Jamie are doomed because they had such a nice moment. Yeah, I, yeah I, although that was so, the, the, the bathos of that scene. It was like, well, there's something I really should have told you oh, yeah. a long time ago. It was ago. heavy handed. It was heavy oh, and then I was like, oh, you don't need to tell me. Yeah. Oh, I already know. No, I, I think I always that I am the subject of an incestuous happy. union, and I'm so happy. And I'm glad. I'm glad that you're my father. I like it. I kind of like it. And really, I was like, you're letting him off the hook. Yeah. Because I really, what I really wanted the scene to do is like, well, it turns out I'm your father. I fucked my sister. <laughs> And Aww. she's like, dude, that's nasty. Yeah, and she would have been like, and I really wanted her to go, you are fucking kidding me. That is, and just start screaming with horror. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're going to hug and make up, and then she's going to maybe die. Did you guys expect her to, to, to die? I was surprised. Do you think she actually is dead, though? I mean, that's another one. She's dead. She's you dead. Think she's actually dead. She's dead. All right. Uh, every... Masala? Masala? Priscilla? Priscilla? She's dead. Tristane has some antidote on it. No way. You don't think so? I don't think Tristane is smart enough to carry (laughs) antidotes. I think think of the characters we've mentioned, she's dead. Stannis is dead. I think Stannis is dead. Uh, By the way, I also want to skip back, you know, when when 
what's her name? Brienne swings a sword and they cut that slam cut to Ramsay killing somebody. And then he's on the battlefield and there's the guy crawling away. Mm. Have we not watched enough TV to know <laughs> and movies? <laughs> That if you're wounded on the battlefield, <laughs> just fucking lie there. Just do not <laughs> crawl away. Stop when moving. When the enemy is standing right there, I surrender. Just, just, just think. Just lie there and concentrate on rotting. Just <laughs> do some rigor mortis. Just whatever you know. Try to attract flies. Be dead. Do not crawl away. Thank you. That was a public service announcement for Nerd Eye Recaps Game of Thrones. The wisdom of the ages wrapped up in the body of a short, bold game show host. Uh, Trisha, we... I just need to read your notes for a second No, here. don't. Trisha takes beautiful notes. She really does. From there, these episodes. I live, I live type the episode as we watch it on a separate computer. So, <laughs> this is so good. Oh, okay, no. so this is from Dorn. No, it's nice. Don't worry. You know people can be complicated. We don't choose who we love. I know. I'm glad that you're my father. All caps, hug. Nosebleed. Sand snake, mom nosebleed. She takes the antidote. No, but you missed the important part, which is at the top of the scene. It's it's like it says, Dorn, ugh. And then it says, weird long kiss poison lipstick. So you saw that coming. I called it. Yeah. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Think on your feet for our Fast and Curious 5K, a -a one-of-a-kind race hosted by WBEZ and the Chicago Sun-Times on Saturday, July 27th at Humboldt Park. More info and early bird registration at WBEZ.org slash events. I, th- I, I, did, I did not see that coming. I yeah, that like was too like oh, yeah, no, Bond was, girl yeah. villain situation of like, oh, this is how they try They're to kill Castro. Saucy. Yeah. yeah. So okay, so we're good on Dorn. We're yeah, good on we're Dorn. going There's to Marie. Nothing left to be said about Dorn. So we have nothing left to say about Dorn. Okay. <laughs> we have the clip of the dragon, which I know it isn't exactly happening in Marine, but we're calling all of that Marine. So there's the dragon. We have to go home. Oh, my poor sweet thing. Does it hurt? We have to go home. <laughs> that was fair. I thought the dragon was cute. It yeah, was so tired nice guy. and hurt. Yeah. It was like, you have to take me back to Marine. <laughs> <laughs> Not going. Somebody whoever, tweeted that whoever, question at us, right? I think so. The yeah. key? Whoever animated that scene, because it was all CGI animation, totally has a The dog. dragon is not real? The dragon is not real. It's like, it's like totally has a Come on, we're going to go outside. It's like the great Dane puppy who doesn't want to get up. No. No, no. <laughs> I don't want to fly. It was kind of cute. Yeah. I did. I have to say, though, before that scene when Jorah and Tyrion and Dario are standing around, they're like, oh my god, we have to go save Danny. It's like, why do you have to go save Danny? Like, what... 
about watching her fly away on that fucking dragon makes you think that you need to go help her. Like, I'm pretty sure she's fine. It's, it's the patriarchy. Yeah. I mean, we need, we need a patriarchy jingle for Jorah and what's-his-face? Uh, Dario. So annoying. Really? Why? I, th- I think if they had just put the scene with Danny and the dragon that won't fly first, it would have been a lot more fitting. Because then you're like, oh, she actually maybe is in some trouble. But otherwise, like, she flew off on her dragon. And like, left she you left all to die. in this creepy... And how did... Somebody asked me this before we started. How the hell did the rest of them get out? Exactly. Like, because they, they were right. still surrounded by a number of Sons of the Harpy. Exactly. And was it like the Sons of the Harpy were like, you know... Now that Danny's gone, we're... Oh, God, look at the time. You know... <laughs> We've got we've got like a human sacrifice at the other end of town. We're already twenty minutes late. You don't want to keep the victim we waiting. Have we have to go collect go. a lot more gold to melt because yeah. we need more yeah. masks. I know it's like, but the last I told we saw, my friend, he could borrow my mask later. Yeah, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just not feeling it. They say and they leave. But anyway, they're out of the thing. But it was nice to see Grey Worm out of bed. His hospital bed. Oh God, Grey Worm. I know Grey Worm is back. That was lame. Why was it lame? I don't know. I just that whole scene I thought was really like, yeah. I just found it tiresome. <laughs> Do you even like this TV show? She kind of seriously. You know, you're like, I fuck Dorn. Know, I hate man. this. That's I tiresome. Trisha was the one who said, fuck Dorn. Okay. You know, you could just be but watching yeah, Arrested mean, Development over I, and over again. I do. Again. Thank you. All right. I do. Yeah. No, I stopped watching halfway through season four. I just caught up because we were going to do these recaps. That's, that. I gave up, okay? Is a nerd confession <laughs> for That's the ages. Amazing. So obviously. Save that for the finale. Also, I had to berate her into finishing watching because I hadn't watched it for several seasons and you were one of the people berating me about watching the show. I just hadn't started yet. I had, you know, I didn't have HBO and, you know. Finally caught up after painstaking binge watching, and then I was like, no, "And you were like, yeah, I'm over it. Cool. That's not acceptable. <laughs> we are watching it forever." This is maybe a good place to mention this. Remember, I said last week, "Oh well, you know, in the books, Danny just ends up sitting on a sand dune yeah. somewhere." That's more or less the ending. She's yep. sitting in a sand dune, and then a colossar rides up, a bunch more uh, Dothraki, and that's it. And in that instance, and in many other instances, including more or less. Theon jumping off the, the castle but not knowing what happens after that. And in Jon Snow, we're going to get to that, we are now caught up exactly where all the books end. Although, as was pointed out to me, again, before the taping began, there's still some material, a lot of material, especially in the, the I think, the is it the fourth book? That uh, they can still go back to if they want to pick up there. But we, the, in terms of the major characters, we have gotten to where they were. Are you okay? I'm not. <laughs> because that means that if we do this next season, I'll be sitting here with no uh, expertise, knowledge. Down here with the slain, rest of us. Peter. I will have nothing. I will, be, I will be like the Wizard of Oz pulled from behind the curtain. I'll have nothing. <laughs> I'll just be a little short, bald guy again. Speaking of little short, bald guys. Oh, nice. Varys just travels by what? By port key? By, I mean, he well, just... Yeah, now that's not really fair, because he was on the way to Marine. When Tyrion got kidnapped and got put in a boat, and they got waylaid That's by true. all kinds of things, including uh, horrible grayscale lepers, zombies, yeah. and slavers. So there was enough time for Varys to get But he there. was just on the balcony, hadn't checked in, just, hello. I mean, hadn't checked in? Well, like, I mean, to the hotel? <laughs> 
had to get the key, put your bags away. Welcome to the welcome to the Marine Marriott. I mean, there's no security system in place to keep the person who's in charge now of Marine from just walking up to the balcony. Like he just gets to come on in. Nobody there knows him. I just want to say I haven't. I know it, but people don't notice you if you're bald. You're just <laughs> you're not a threat. <laughs> been there the entire time and we just didn't we should go back and watch more carefully you didn't notice him because you're women and you don't pay attention to bald guys I think yeah play play one play one gather around and listen while old Peter Sagelman explains this show to you thank you very much all right (laughs) they had a nice little reunion though I did miss you, says Tyrion. It was cute. And they really are setting us up in a very obvious way, in a way that's probably unique to this episode for what's going to happen next season, which is Tyrion trying to run Marine in an uneasy relationship with Messende and uh, Grey Worm. And that will be like a sitcom. Yeah. 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 I don't Tyrion runs Marine. Tyrion, you did it again! Seriously, it's the odd couple. It's pretty you have odd. Tyrion, and you have uh, and you have you know Tyrion, who's kind of like who's a, who's the drunk smart ass, and you have Grey Worm, who's like the very stri- of, uh, the antithesis yeah, the totally of humor, straight laced yeah. guy who never smiles, and then you have the woman to roll her eyes at both of them. It'll be a hilarious. <laughs> Sounds like a structure that could work. Yeah. <laughs> so we did have questions from via the twitters about why Daenerys dropped her ring. Well, obviously, she's leaving a clue for those she assumes to be looking for her. Yeah, which next they question. Are, luckily, <laughs> let's just go. Thanks, let's Peter. just go next Thanks. location. Actually, I think we yeah. can just go King's to Landing. King's Landing. Oh my gosh! Oh, okay. was it weird to watch that scene with like other people in a room, guys? I feel like that would have yeah. been like you're eating I, I, a turkey leg, and all right. This, this, this is a little indicative that we showed the episode on a screen here before this podcast began. And a good third of our audience refused to watch it again. Yeah. yeah. And they were upset that we expected they might want to. I voluntarily stood in the rain to bring you people turkey legs because I didn't want to watch that scene again. Shame. 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 Too much shame, Belle. There was a couple times, if you ever do feel the urge to rewatch this episode, really watch the nun's face behind her with the shame bell because she is smirking she loves it it is unsettling I would also like to point out that we did get some D in this scene and I I I defy Greta even your mother to have enjoyed that you know I I haven't checked in with her yet but I you may remember <clears throat> you may that remember might need context, yes. <laughs> way back, it must have been the th- second or third episode where the uh, I guess it was where the sparrows first showed up and they busted yeah. up the brothel. The and high they septon, made the for- former I guess high yeah. septon, marched down the road naked, and uh, I said, "Keep your eye on that." Well, not that. Keep you know. <laughs> <laughs> His eyes are up there, Greta. Um, uh, and because that is a foreshadowing, and I think to a certain extent an inoculation of what was to come because they were implying that they do this to everybody, not just attractive female actresses. 
They and, did. Okay. Yeah. That was them setting up the <laughs> fact that they wanted to do that scene. Yeah. Right. Yeah. What was interesting to me was just in passing was the titties. No. Um, <laughs> yeah. That when Cersei was confessing, and I thought that the show has done a really good job of showing what like intense isolation and what kind of torture that is and how desperate you can become. Yeah. Which is relevant to all kinds of current events. And she's like, I will do anything to get out of here. Things I never thought I would do before I spent however long in here. But even then, she would not confess to her central crime and her central secret. Yeah. And it was really interesting because she absolutely denied that. Even in her moment of absolute, what's the word? Vulnerability and desperation when she was confessing these things she had done, when she was abasing herself. No way. And her, the intensity of that was so, well, it was both impressive and also kind of true to life. I mean, it's like O.J. Simpson swearing he didn't kill anybody. At a certain point, you, once you've staken your life on a falsehood, it can become even more compelling than the truth is. And, and I thought that, that was interesting. And that the person, the only person who she, in that state, maybe still has any affection for, those are the people who are hurt the most by that fact. Her right. son and her brother. Yeah, and that's another way of reading it, which I didn't think of, and you're absolutely right. That, that those are the only that, people she cares about. She's protecting, at the time, she thinks, her two surviving children. Because as Ned says in the first episode, is if, as soon as anybody finds out who the kid's real parents are, they're dead. So, yeah, it was, it was an interesting thing. The and walk, all the Emmys. Can we just say all the Emmys? Give her an Oscar, give her a Tony, really give mean, her no, a... She, that scene. She's always been very, very good. Lena yeah, you know, that. I did. I was surprised to actually feel bad for her. I did. Yeah. Again, like I said, they punish the yeah. hell out of people who deserve it and make you ask yourself, really? Is that what I wanted? It was really interesting to me the way they shot that scene. It went on forever. Yeah, it did. What was really interesting was, again, the way it was set up is she comes out and she looks across the city and she sees the red keep in the distance. And so it's like, yes, that's how far it's going to be. And they do not imply that, then cut away to the end. They make you watch it. Apparently and it took three days to shoot. Yeah. And we discussed this as like that is sometimes actually Lena Headley naked, sometimes a body double. Yeah, because three Peter straight days it. of that crowd scene involving, yeah. Really. Yeah. And and then, but then the, the turn on a dime too, because just the watching her face through that scene as she starts to like she's keeping it together she starts to cry as soon as she gets past the people and is in just in front of the guards who she doesn't really see as people right she really starts to ugly cry and then she gets <laughs> inside and then the the quickness that she turns when she's in the arms yeah. of Franken Mountain is like oh she's back and she this did not break her this is going to make her even more terrifying yeah that look on her face was really scary yeah you know it was like oh this didn't actually break her at all she's just going to be that much scarier i have to say i don't remember from the books how much follow-up they have on that but it is interesting to me i mean I, i said a moment ago that it's unrealistic to expect a series of traumatic events to change people I think what I really meant was it's unrealistic to expect a series of traumatic events to change people for the better. I think that it would would make a lot of sense just from a character psychological point of view if Cersei is even more twisted and weird and hateful and angry after this horrific thing than she was before, which is saying something. Isn't this fun, guys? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's the best. Uh, Okay, so Uh, the wall? The wall. wall? Are we going to the wall? (sighs) Okay, so we're going to... 
We're going to start with John and Sam. That felt to me like a very, like a counseling session almost. Yeah. Like John, yeah. They were both talking about their feelings a lot. And Sam Glad said he got the some. the is and... working out for someone. Yeah. It's a good line. That was, the, that was a good line. It was like, dude, bro, you got some. Hey. Good on you. <laughs> that little good smirk from Sam. You. Yeah. Yeah. I, did you guys, I was a little disappointed in our friend Sam for abandoning John. Because in the book, it's a change in the book. In the book, John orders Sam to leave because he wants him to become a maester. And obviously, as we saw in the TV show, it's Sam's idea, which is definitely a change. And it really shows a certain, I don't know, change in Sam. He was so blindly puppy-like loyal. And now he's like, hey, I got some. I'm going to get me some more. (laughs) Yeah, I think in Old Town. In Old Town. I also think that us watching him fail miserably when he tried to fight is also just an indication that he realized that He's, he can't protect John right, there any more he, than he can protect himself or Gilly or Little Sam. mentions. Yeah. He's no good to the fight that's going to come there. He's got to go learn some stuff about Dragonglass. Right. Somebody needs to. And even Stannis knew that, that there was a value in having some actual knowledge of history. I had this, I don't know if any of it, you or anybody listening had this reaction, but the, the scene opens with John explaining, just the camera just on him, he's saying, and he's talking about, and then he raised his arms and the dead rose, and my God, there's so many of them. And my initial thinking was, oh, John is giving the report to his superiors who will do something. And then the camera pulls back, and of course he's talking to Sam, and you realize he is the superior. There's yeah. nobody above him to help, to go to, to plead with for more support, to ask for reinforcements, to, you know, he, there's no, it's, he's, he's it. And in a weird way, that made Sam's Saying, oh, by the way, oh, that was really interesting to hear, John. I'm, I'm really sad about the, the zombies and uh, everybody <laughs> who was killed and uh, all the bad things. By the way, I'm leaving. <laughs> Already packed. And it really made his, his request and almost like a more of a betrayal, I think, than I would have expected. Because he, he is, as we now see, he has no friends once Sam leaves. And Sam, I mean, Sam would have just died, too. I'm fine with Sam getting out of Dodge. Yeah, they probably would have killed Sam, too. When they killed John. That's yeah, I true. I feel like he can live out his potential better as a maester. Right. But what about bro code? Man <laughs> <laughs> says he saw your uncle at hard on the last full moon. Could be lying. Could be. No ways to find out. Where is he? Over there. For the watch. 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 So here's the question, everybody. Wait. Well, first, I want to ask you this. Do you think that the, shall we say, mutiny, the reaction of the Black Brothers for the watch was justified in their eyes, even though we know that John's the best? Do you think that that... Yeah, a little clap for John. Oh, wow. Do we think, do <laughs> we think that, from their perspective, it makes sense? No. Yeah. No. No, they're dicks. <laughs> anybody yes? yes? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, let me ask you this. Does anybody say yes who didn't read the book? <laughs> ah, really? Okay. 
Because in the books, John's behavior is... I mean, I think actually George R. R. Martin, he has many, many skills, but one of the things he does in that section of the book is John is doing all these things that make sense to him, um, including bringing the wildings to the wall. His actions are more extreme in various and complicated ways. Like One thing he does, he says, okay, take these bodies, put them in cells and watch them because I want to see if they come to life. And you realize that from someone who hasn't seen what John has seen, that sounds that's crazy. crazy. <laughs> so when it happens in the book, and the same thing happens in the book, and that's how we find John's stories ending at the end of the fifth book, he's like, yeah, I can see how he screwed that up. He really acted in a way that was totally crazy and alienating to his crew and probably made them think their lives were in danger by his actions. There was this moment, too, when I was watching the blood grow in the snow yeah. behind John where I thought, but he can't possibly be dead because he's the best one. And yeah. then I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> but Remember what happened to Ned Stark? One. That, yeah, so that brings up to the second question, and this is the question that has been obsessing readers of the books for the last three years. Is Jon Snow dead? No. No. Does anybody have any evidence as opposed to they really don't want him to be dead. I I have a reason. It's Melisandre. Melisandre. Like you. that is so awkward for her to have just shown up otherwise. Yeah. We know she has powers. I could, you could argue that she knew all along that John was really the one who ha- is the He's rightful the heir to the prince throne. of prophecy, and that's why she tried to do him. Yeah. And so obviously she would show up at this really convenient time to bring him back from the dead. Well, I will say this. I have been wondering, since they had the scene with the Brotherhood Without Banners and Beric Dondarrion and his resurrection, why they bothered with that bit if they weren't going to do the Lady Stoneheart stuff, which we talked about last time, and they didn't do that. So why has that promise of resurrection been sitting around for two and a half seasons if this is, I mean, if they're not going to pay it off. And it seems as if they might pay it off with good old John. And tell me this, because I went down an internet rabbit hole last night to make sure that John isn't dead. In the book, the last thing he says is ghost. Oh. So he can hop over into his dire wolf, hop over, (laughs) and just like be a wolf for a while, like Animorph style. And then let the red woman do her thing. And then it's like, it's all good. It's all good. This is my really well-informed internet theory. (laughs) I can tell you put a lot into that. Wow. Can we hear, like, how many people here think that Jon Snow is legitimately actually dead? Wow. Okay. We've got a couple. We've got a very Thank few. Thank you for being audacious It's, it's very today. interesting. I mean, because I, I, I kind of stand with those people. It's very hard for me to... Even though George R. R. Martin has done two things. A, he has shown that he will kill off anybody whenever he wants. And secondly, he, as I described, especially in the book and also in the TV show, justified the death so that it makes sense from a narrative point of view. Yeah, but Jon Snow. That's the other argument. Basically, it's <laughs> like, well, you know, you, you have a narrative which really has shown itself... Yeah, but Ned Stark. We like yeah, But the story is about the Stark children, right? Like well, the main we characters. The story was about Ned Stark. There are other Stark children <laughs> still out there. Who thought the story was about Ned Stark, though, really? Everybody did. Everybody I mean, did. It's Sean for Bean. Like two episodes. When does Sean Bean die unexpectedly? Come now. <laughs> Keyword being unexpected. Game of Thrones. In everything. <laughs> but that's another story. So, no, I mean, basically, the only reason. 
the only reason to think that Jon Snow is still alive is because everybody wants him to be alive, and also... And everybody. Also it's really fucking awkward that what's her face is there if she's not going to be. <laughs> I, can I give? Can I, I don't know the name of the actress playing Melisandre, but her look and her face when she came back, and they're like, "What? What happened to Stannis? And where's Shireen?" And she's like, "She totally did a shrug emoji at them." She's like, "Yeah, yeah weird well, shrug you know, thing. I just, I just need a moment." <laughs> and I thought that was, I thought that was some nice face acting, as we say in the business. Uh, But anyway, moving on. So Jon Snow may or may not be alive, and there's all kinds of internet speculation, because on the one hand, Kit Harington, the actor, said, nope, I'm dead, I ain't coming back. On the other hand, there were news stories that said that the actor Kit Harington was given a huge raise for season six, that's next season. So, and and we just don't know. They could be playing with our heads. He, He also, it was interesting, he talked about getting what is now called the Tony Soprano walk. (laughs) <laughs> and the Tony Soprano walk is when the producers of the show come over to you and say, Kit, come here. And you walk away, and they tell you you're about to die. That's what's now called the Tony Soprano walk. I love that, that the HBO Tony Soprano lives. must be such an interesting place to work. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, they, you know, they... Well, Trisha made me watch the little producer's cut yeah. thing after the yeah. episode. Inside the episode. Yeah. Where they never say anything. Well, they Nothing did say that he was dead. They were like, yeah, here's where Jon Snow dies. But... Dying in a world where resurrection through magic right, I mean, is possible. You know, I still don't think he's dead, but I just felt like I should point out. I mean, it's TV. They do whatever they want. Right. There's magic in this world. I, Nobody's for example, dead for sure. I, for example, gave up on Aliens <laughs> after the second movie, so Newt is still alive. <laughs> and she's doing really well. That's <laughs> what, I, in my world, she's great. She and Sigourney Weaver and Ripley are still in touch. They talk every day. Really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> you keep going? Yep. <laughs> okay. No autopsy on my news. None. Didn't happen. All right. So... Time for recommendations, I believe. Time I for do. recommendations. So this, but wait a second. Oh, predictions? No, I need to read mid-roll. Oh, okay. I want to do this thing okay. here. And then we'll do recommendations. And we will take your questions, too. Really so soon. mull mull while I and, read this and, thing. Yeah, and I'll, we'll... All right, we'll get to this. Nerdette is supported by Macmillan Fierce Reads, presenting the trilogy The Remnant Chronicles. In book one, The Kiss of Deception, a princess's parents arrange her marriage to a prince she's never met. On the morning of her wedding, she flees to a distant village where two mysterious and handsome strangers arrive. One is the jilted prince, and the other is an assassin sent to kill the princess. A thrilling blend of suspense, mystery, romance, and action makes this a riveting page-turner, and the world-building will appeal to fans of Game of Thrones. The second book in this young adult trilogy is out July 7th. It's called The Heart of Betrayal by Mary E. Pearson. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thank the, you. The beer was free. Remember, the beer was free. <laughs> so really quickly, we've kind of been doing this the whole episode. We've been giving some predictions. So my predictions, just to round up, are uh, Stannis not dead, Jon Snow not dead. I just, you know, I just, a lot of people not dead. My prediction's not so much death as we think Yeah. from this. I will say, I think I've said before, I don't like making predictions when I don't have any inside knowledge to make me seem smarter than I are. Wait. M said Stannis. <laughs> I can't but, believe you just did that. I know, but no, I just uh, it makes me scared. But I, I think Stannis is dead because his narrative has come to a very uh, a satisfactory end. He, his arc is finished. There's really nothing more for him to do. 
I, this is a famous story among nerds. I'm sure you don't need to know it. But Should we play a jingle before he tells the story? Just really quick. One more jingle. We, we, we've played them all now, haven't we? Yeah, but I mean, you know. Pick your favorite. It can't hurt. If Peter's opinion falls in the forest, does anybody give a shit? It's a good one. That's a good one for this. Do you remember in, uh, you've all heard this story that for the third Star Wars movie, the third real Star Wars movie, Return uh, of the Jedi, Harrison Ford <laughs> pleaded with George Lucas to kill off Han Solo. And his argument was, there's nothing more for him to do. And Harrison Ford was right. Har- you know, Han Solo had gone through that transformation that we talked about earlier. He'd found his heart and his loyalty. He had found love with Princess Leia. His journey was done. And so his death really would have been, in a weird way, satisfactory. Not in the way we think of real human beings. Like, I would never say to you, Trisha, oh, Trisha, you found love and success and, 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 and really fulfilled your potential. Now I shall kill you. I would say, you know, but in fictional stories, there's nothing left for him to do. There's nothing left for Stannis to do. The storyline has concluded. It has concluded in what I think is a very bitter, if satisfactory way. He has made his choices. He has paid his price. There's no reason, if I was the showrunner, there's no reason to keep that guy alive. What else does he have to do except sit around and say, man, did I fuck that up? (laughs) And that happens only in real life, not on TV shows. (laughs) So I don't think Stannis is alive, but go on. Well, that was was it. Those are my main predictions. Greta, what do you think happens in season six? Or what do you want to happen in season six? I think Sansa is fine, Stannis is dead, Cersei is pissed, Jaime (laughs) is in trouble, Danny is screwed, and Jon Snow is coming. You just want a job writing the episode descriptions. I do. I am deep. That's exactly what they read yeah. like. What do the episode descriptions say about this? Oh my god. Jon Snow them. encounters a problem. You know, that's, they're always so they're always so mild. <laughs> I'm gonna look it up. Stannis has a difficulty. Stannis is a bad day. There will I be no to. siege. Brienne, I will say Brienne is standing around somewhere outside Winterfell, so I bet she hooks up uh, yeah. in of course the Chivalric sense. Maybe she'll run over in time to catch Sansa (laughs) when she jumps off. I could see that could happen. No, I I really, I have have no predictions other than the obvious. We'll see lots more of Tyrion and Meereen. We'll see, obviously, what happens with Theon and Sansa. I think they're alive. Um, I don't think, I think it would be really disappointing if if we wait a year... A goddamn year, and we—the first scene of the first episode is they're all standing around the broken bodies of Sansa oh, and Theon. I may really quit the show. If that's like, what Jeez, why did they do that? <laughs> that was pretty dumb. You guys, this IMDb. Can I read this? Yeah, Please. this is the actual episode oh my description. God. Okay, Stannis marches. Danny is surrounded by strangers. Cersei seeks forgiveness. John is challenged. <laughs> The, 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 the six daggers in Can his chest. That's a challenge. <laughs> oh my god! All right. So predictions. But one of the things we wanted to do, and and we will enlist our audience's help, is that Game of Thrones is now over for the year. Ten episodes. That's all we get every year. We have to wait till next April for season six. And I think that as much as we all could, sitting around and talking about Game of Thrones for the remaining whatever eight, ten months is really sad. I'm not so, going to let you do that, Peter. What we're all going to do is the three of us are going to recommend things that you might enjoy, and I, I, by you I mean Game of Thrones fans, in the interim, and then uh, later on, uh, not very far along indeed, we're going to ask you guys, along with any questions you might have you want to discuss or points you want to make, if you have any recommendations of things that your fellow Game of Thrones nerds might enjoy to uh, 
based on their love of Game of Thrones, to spend the time and expand their universe in the next 10 months. We will ask for your recommendations as well. But all that said, Trisha, do you want to go with yours? I just have one, and it is the movie Jason and the Argonauts, which I remember from, I think, watching in middle school in a Greek mythology phase. Anybody else in the room going to admit to having a Greek mythology phase? Sure. Yeah. I'm with my people. Obviously. I just, you know, there's not many rooms I can, like, shout that in and get, like, that much positive feedback. It's really nice. Uh, So that movie is fun because, you know, if you're missing the skeleton army of Game of Thrones, you get a very comical one in that film. And uh, it's it's a lot of fun. It's it's campy in the way that a lot of the stuff we were playing as pre-roll is when you look back on it. But it's also a fun telling of the tale of the Golden Fleece and Jason and all of that. Greta? I am going to recommend a book because I don't watch movies and I read a lot of books. And I'm thinking, actually, this is a trilogy, which also kind of fits into the whole Game of Thrones thing, right? Except there's supposed to be seven of those, but anyway. His Dark Materials. The first book is called The Golden Compass. Yes. These are books for young readers, but I guarantee you will like them even at your advanced ages. (laughs) The Golden Compass is written by Philip Pullman, and it's not... They're very distinctly different storylines, obviously, from Game of Thrones. This is not really like a medieval story of who will take over the Iron throne but there are some parallels the theology aspect mm-hmm. i think is really strong in the golden compass and in a way that is sort of similar to game of thrones and there are like creepy spirit animal things that are sort of like the dire wolves and also just the magic of the north i think yeah. is really Alaskan. strong in the golden camp compass and yeah coming from alaska and you know, love they're, they're arguably better books than the Game of Thrones books. Yeah, they're, they're really excellent, beautiful. excellent books. One, so of the the reasons, one of the reasons I love those books and completely uh, endorse your, your recommendation is you Thanks, remember... Peter. Yes, Greta. <laughs> I will allow it. Is that... <laughs> we really wasted some of those patriarch jing- yeah, jiggles yeah, before we got to that moment. No, is because you remember the whole, free the whole now, deal... He thinks the whole we ran out of them. The whole ridiculously stupid thing about Harry Potter being satanic and like, you know, very conservative Christians saying you can't read Harry Potter. His Dark Materials, the trilogy, is actually satanic. satanic. (laughs) It really is. God is the enemy and Satan is the hero. And somebody once asked Philip Pullman, the author, about that. Like, why don't the people who were also upset about Harry Potter, why don't they cotton on to the fact that your books are genuinely Satanist? And he basically said something along the lines of, the people who would be upset about that are too stupid to understand Ooh. my books. Mm. <laughs> yeah. The so there you go. And then he dropped the mic. Get out. Compass. It's really good. I have two, uh, I, well, technically three. I'm going to say three. Uh, <laughs> very disparate recommendations. One is a TV show. I've mentioned it on this podcast before. It's Spartacus, which is known as Spartacus on Stars, and you can watch it on Netflix. I think it's there now, if you're not a star subscriber. And there are certain things that has in common with Game of Thrones and certain things that does not. And the things, I will stress the things that does not. It is not nearly as well written or produced. It doesn't have the same seriousness of tone. There's not as many conversations about broad themes of civilization and humanity and politics. But <laughs> it has uh, three things that I think Games of Thrones watchers enjoy. First of all, lots of gratuitous nudity. If you thought Game of Thrones had lots of racks and butts, oh, wait till you get a load of Spartacus. Um, <laughs> in, an incredible amount of over-the-top violence. It's insane. Really? If you like, want, if more you, violence? Someone yes. in the audience just went, no, it's if awesome. You, if, if you saw the movie 300, 
and you were like, I like this, but I wish it had more computer-generated spurts of blood as people are bisected by sword, then Spartacus is for you. So if you like your fight scenes and you like your gratuitous nudity, this will absolutely tide you over to the next season of Game of Thrones. But it actually has something that makes it worthwhile more than just the gratuitous fights and nudity, which is like Game of Thrones, it is a show about a place and a time, in this case, Rome, ancient Rome, where anybody will and can do anything they can get away with. We talked about that. One of the things that make Games of Thrones so interesting is there's no rules, there's no laws other than the laws people make. So people can betray, can kill, can murder if they think that the people they're fighting will give them a chance to do it and there's no punishment. Like Game of Thrones, it has a habit of killing off beloved characters which keeps you on your toes. What's interesting about it is that they film one season with an actor in the lead who then tragically died of cancer. Really quite, well, not funny or interesting at all. What it means is is that what was supposed to be a multi-series event, really only the first season, in my view, is worth watching. So watch season one of Spartacus, and then things changed because they couldn't help it. The book recommendation, two books, actually, about... So four things. Yeah, man. Spartacus is a season, and then two books. That's three all right. things. Uh, two, two books. Can't two do books math about after 10 p.m. Two, two books set in the medieval world, which uh, I really enjoyed reading, uh, and they're very readable. One is a fiction book called *The Fool's Tale* by my old friend Nicole Gallant. Really good, set in medieval Wales. Mm-hmm. It's a love triangle set in an interesting medieval time when the politics were much like *Game of Thrones*, with some action but mostly a lot of intrigue, and it's really quite good. And the last one is a book that no one else has ever I've ever seen it mentioned. It's called *The Galleys at Lepanto*. And it is about, it's a nonfiction book. It is about one of the most important battles you've never heard of. It was a naval battle that happened, I think, in the 14th century between the forces of Venice, Europe, the Christian West, and the Ottoman East. And it happened at Lepanto. And it was a naval battle. No, it was later. It was 17th century. Cervantes fought in it. He was there. And it is a, yeah, he was. And, uh... It's like how angry you are about that, Greta. Don't believe it. Of all the things I've read about the real life Middle Ages, it's this most like Game of Thrones. There are these characters, these nobles, these warriors, this incredible politics, betrayals, alliances, and it builds up to a huge battle between, depending on your point of view, the forces of good and the forces of evil. So it's really, it's like a nonfiction Game of Thrones. And I really, I really liked it. And so I think people might enjoy that. That reminds me of Wolf Hall, too, which is a good one. Yeah. to thank. We do want to thank WBEZ and Joe Dassault and Brad Helm for making the show possible tonight. Andrew Edwards of Blue Police Box Music wrote our theme song. Paul and Storm wrote our patriarchy jingles. (laughs) The good people of Cards Against Humanity are letting us use this fabulous space that they have. Thank you to them. Thank you to Pipeworks for the free beer. Yay, Pipeworks. And thank you to Southern Pitch for braving the rain, coming out and providing you all with turkey legs. So thank you, everyone. And thanks to all of you for coming, guys. Yeah, thanks for making it out here in the rain. We really appreciate you being here. Thank you all for coming and joining us at Nerdette Recaps Game of Thrones with Peter Sagal. You may be the worst, but you guys are the best. Yeah! Thanks, everybody! Get home safe! Go Hawks and stuff.
Hey, Peter, thank you, too. Yes. Oh, God. Hilarious. Yeah, thanks, I Peter. Had, the, the scary thing is I've had so much more fun doing this with you than I do with doing my other show. <laughs> it's actually terrifying. And I'm a little concerned We're going to give those jingles to your show, Steph. Yeah, <laughs> yeah he's hoping. <laughs> no, well, thanks think again, it, you guys. Thank you guys for coming, and thanks for listening. Have a good one. Nerdette is supported by the Sympathizer podcast from HBO. Join host Philip Nguyen in conversation with the cast, crew, and author Viet Thanh Nguyen as they discuss the making of this historic HBO original limited series. Stream new episodes of HBO's The Sympathizer Sundays exclusively on Max, and listen to The Sympathizer podcast wherever you listen to podcasts.